You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 5720 Ridge Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. After journeying together with Jesus each night this past week of Holy Week, we were walking with him in his last days before death. We waited with him in the grave yesterday. It seemed like fitting to wake up to thunderstorms and dark clouds and rain. And I spent the morning inside, and then as the rain cleared, I ventured out to spend some time in my garden. And as I stood there looking at the weed bed in front of me, I decided that while Jesus was defeating in the grave, defeating death, it would, I would get into my garden to defeat these weeds. Yeah. Get them. Right. I was trying to gear up for this because I needed, I needed some energy for it. Last year, I had so many morning glory vines um, take over that they actually made a blanket of twisted netting over top of all of my perennials, mm-hmm. like wow. killed m- many of them. Mm-hmm. And there's such an insidious, <laughs> what's that? Okay, Robbie was really upset. <laughs> Thank you for feeling it for me, Robbie. Thank you. I, it is sad. Here's, all right, so since you asked, thank you. I, maybe you didn't. But I spent years cultivating this garden. And last year, right across the street from our house is the park. And there's, there's like a, a bank of weeds there. And last year, the park crew came through and cleared it out. Weed whacked the whole thing. But that means all of the seeds from all of those weeds blew across into my yard. So up came these weeds that I'd never had before after, you know, taming this garden for a decade or so. Um, So it was out of control. Anyways, that's more than I was going (laughs) to tell you. But (laughs) it was sad. Um, and the, the morning glory vines are an especially insidious weed because you can't just get rid of them by digging up the root and pulling them out. They also have this underground runner root that grows all throughout the soil. And it sends up shoots at any point. So you pull out the shoot and you think you have the, the, the root of it. But actually, it's just the root that connects down to the runner root, which is deeper below and traveling all over. So the only way to get it all out was to go deep with a shovel and turn over all of the soil and expose the source. It took me hours, and I'm very sore today. I don't know that I got it all either, but it was a good way to spend the day pondering what's happening as Jesus is in the grave. And I realize that even when we say that death is defeated and the whole world is changed, the ground still seems cursed. There are still weeds that choke out my plants, and still our work feels like toil. Still, our world seems broken, and we feel broken, and evil and chaos still exist. Just today, there were at least eight bombings that killed over 200 people in Sri Lanka as they gathered to celebrate the resurrection. So what do we mean 
when we say that the resurrection of Jesus from the dead brings a whole new reality. The cosmic power of Jesus' death and resurrection means that the kingdom of God is here. It is a kingdom of justice and peace, of freedom from the power of sin and death. And we as followers of Jesus are to live into that reality, not on our own strength, but in the strength and the power of the resurrection. Jesus is giving us new life through a new identity, a new citizenship as part of his kingdom, and we're working it out in our life. It's not fully realized, but it is here, through Christ's resurrection and now through us as his people. So when the evidence around us seems to say that death is winning, we need to keep reminding each other that death does not win. We are, we're like the women who hurried to the tomb very early in the morning to anoint Jesus' body with spices. I like this painting from Henry Tanner. They, they had seen the tomb and how Jesus' body was laid in it. They had gone home to prepare the spices and wait obediently through the Sabbath before returning. And then they returned, expecting to see death once more. But the angels told them a different story. Death did not win. He is alive. The angels reminded them of Jesus' words, and then they remembered. Let's read it together from Luke 24, verses 1 to 8. Can someone read that out for us, please? Thank you, Ashley. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fight, the woman bowed down, oh, in their fright, <laughs> the women bowed down to their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day, be then they remember his words. Thank you. In our own way, uh, we've, we have seen death, and we probably come expecting to see it again. We need to be told the bigger story like the women were. We need the reminder that Jesus is alive. Death is not the end. It does not win. Jesus has defeated death. He suffered all evil, sin, and death for us to make a way through. Jesus is alive and relating to us now. So you have the opportunity tonight to ponder the mystery of faith and let it rise up in you, too. We will see how the story continues in our own lives. What does faith look like in real life? What does it look like to have Jesus alive and relating to us right now? It's both cosmic and personal. It's bigger than we can imagine. 
but you are not irrelevant to it. You are changed through it also. We, have, we are given hope through it. And the things that we do, the things that we say, the way we live matters. It reveals Jesus and Jesus' kingdom to the world. So we're going to spend some time tonight. As I mentioned, we have a few folks who have prepared a story that they've been thinking about from their own lives as the evidence of how Jesus is alive and relating to them and to us in the body. Um, but I hope that you'll ponder your own story too. And even if you don't have it all sorted out, even if you're making sense of it, even as you tell us, tonight's a good time to do that. We're, we're, it's like we're coming to the tomb together. We're being reminded. We're being told by one another, like the angels reminded the, the women, of what Jesus had said, of what Jesus had said he would do. So I want to start um, by inviting Aaron to, yeah, I guess you can use the mic right there. Aaron's going to tell us a little story about um, how, how that's working for him. Uh, so... When Julie asked me to share a resurrection story, um, immediately I knew exactly what story I had to share. And I don't share this story very often, but in 2011, uh, I was laid off from my job. I'm a school teacher, and uh, my principal told me, um, maybe it would be best if you found a different school for next year. And I was just devastated. Like it. Um, I'm sure many of you have experienced similar things. It's not just about like a profession or your career. There's also like financial security and like what am I am I supposed I thought that I thought that teaching was my calling. Like I would, thought I was supposed to do this. I've been spending 10, 15, 20 years thinking about doing this and getting better and better and better and all of a sudden like no, maybe you shouldn't. And that was that was just, it's, it slew me. Like, it really, it really killed something inside of me. And so I took a year off, and maybe, uh, you know, I, I love kids. Um, I'm, I'm helping out with a youth group. Maybe I should be a youth leader. And so I took some classes where Corinne was also taking some classes. And, uh, and, and, I, and I stepped up my, my leadership role at church. And it was fun, but... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm not a youth leader. Like, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> um, there's, there's some key things that I just like, I don't, I don't think I can do this for the rest of my life. And, uh, and, no, and no one's even a youth leader for the rest of their life. Like, it's a thing you do kind of when you're young and then you move on to other things also. So it's like, I don't know, maybe I should give this teaching thing a try again. And I did some real soul searching, some praying. That's a, that's a whole other story in itself. Like, hearing the green light from God to say, all right, you need to go back into teaching. I could spend another 10 minutes on that. But um, what I really wanted to say is that I was hired at another school, at a Christian private school, um, where I met one of my uh, professional man crushes. His name is Bruce. Um, he's, a, he's my new principal. The old one, uh, we, we never saw eye to eye. Um, she was like a... Her, her, um, her background was in pre-K, and she was wondering why I was managing my middle schoolers uh, in this strange, bizarre way, which may maybe many of you would recognize as like how a youth leader like relates and builds build relationship with their with their seventh and eighth graders. She was like, 
she was just very confused and we were butting heads all the time. And I made some newbie mistakes that I will not be making again. So, so I understand why she let me go. And some, every once in a while I'll like regret like, well, maybe, I, maybe if I had just done a better job at that school, maybe if I had just communicated better or whatever, like wishing away that death that occurred. But then I realized, wait a minute, I wouldn't have gone and taken those classes at Fuller, which were really formational. I wouldn't have met Bruce, who, <laughs> he, he, this guy is awesome. He was, he was really good. And uh, he helped me become uh, the educator that I am today in a, in a really strong way. Like, um, when I think about what he did for me, when he really took me under his wing, um, of course, he's a principal at a Christian school, so he has redemption on his mind a lot. Um, and he's very focused on redeeming people and redeeming situations. And I think that's how, I, I do think that's how God looks at, our, at tragedies. Um, he redeems us in those tragedies. He doesn't, I don't think he causes them to happen, but he looks, he looks, he, he finds ways to redeem them and make them better and make us stronger and use them. Um, and that's exactly what Bruce did for me and that's what I think God does for us uh, when, when, when parts of us die. So I'm, I'm very thankful that that happened to me. Uh, I would not be the person that I am today. I might not even be here, like in front of you, had, not, had that not happened. So uh, that's my story, and I, and I praise God every time that I think about it and I tell people. So there it is. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at Circle of Hope dot net.